0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way, back again with the Arsenal Agenda show, but this time I'm hosting because TC is in London. TC, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, doing good mate, yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Happy? It's nearing the weekend, Friday?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean obviously got the community shield on Sunday, which should be fun, Um looking forward to that and uh, yeah some transfer news to, to talk about as well after last night's breaking stories around the the first bid for david raya so we've got some things to discuss yeah i think that's the perfect um way to start this morning's uh show
0: um david raya it seems that arsenal are, are in pole position to get this deal done i think they 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 sense that david raya's decision and heart is with signing for Arsenal I know there's been links with Bayern Munich um, over the past few days but it seems that Arsenal sense an opportunity with this potential deal Um, Mm. obviously Brentford are still haggling for a good fee I think in the region of what 30 million pounds potentially maybe a bit more but I think Arsenal sense that they can get a deal done closer to around 28 29 but are you confident Mm. now that the fact that they've made that first bid
1: Yeah I think so Um, it it seems like it's got the makings of a deal that you'd expect uh, to kind of happen the player has already agreed personal terms with, with the club so you know that's obviously a really positive step and Opening bids are rarely, you know, accepted. So I'm not expecting necessarily this bid to be accepted. And I think it's just kind of, you know, opening up the the bidding floor and then gradually we'll work our way towards a compromise between the two clubs. But if Arsenal can get this deal done for less than £30 million, pounds, that'd be a massive, I think, yeah. you know, credit to the negotiation team. It might be £30 million that gets it done. But considering Thomas Frank came out publicly and was like I think we should be getting you know oh we've lost the lights there we go (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um for 40 million pounds that's what they wanted um so you'd assume you know that um you you assume that getting him for under 30 would be a massive massive croup for the club so and maybe even open up the opportunity for for more business you know between now and the end of the window
0: like you look oh, at keep Chelsea. moving
1: now so the lights stay yeah. on otherwise. Yeah. That's, the, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the difficulties, bro.
0: That's the difficulties of working in the office. That's why I don't do Indeed. it. That's why I don't do yeah. it. Um, but it's, it's interesting because Chelsea, it seems that they they're set to sign Sanchez of Brighton, £25 million, a lot of money mm. for a goalkeeper, which in this current moment is Brighton's second choice, third choice goalkeeper. I know stills yeah. their number one as of now, and the fact that Brighton, it's, it's a lot of money that Chelsea are forking out for, for a decade pounds. For. Yeah, Yeah, and that like we could get a number one, potentially. I know he's not number one for Spain, but he's number one for Brentford, 27 years mm. old, good age, good experience. One of Brentford's better players in that team, someone that I think can come in straight away and make an impact. So again, you talk about an opportunity presenting itself, this is a perfect opportunity for Arsenal in the market.
1: Yeah, oh, without a doubt. I think the Brighton one's a really intriguing thing. You think about, um, you know, the fact that, as you say, Brighton are kind of moving on a player that they don't want anymore. Brentford would rather keep, you know, and renew the contract to David Raya. Chelsea have already got a number one goalkeeper in Kepa who's got question marks, you know, about him. That He's it's not, I know he's outlasted Mendy and, and Mendy was obviously brought in to, to take over from Kepa, but you bring in a goalkeeper for 25 million pounds, it doesn't kind of push the needle in any way. Like you've arguably downgraded for a Mendy to go to to Sanchez as a competitor for that goalkeeper spot. They have weakened in that position this summer, whereas Arsenal could strengthen. And I think, you know, for around the similar kind of price tag, 25, 30 million pounds, that, for me anyways is a really good bit of business by arsenal compared to to chelsea who just continue to just seemingly spend kind of crazy like you look at man united they've done a really good deal for a goalkeeper this summer andre anana yeah. is obviously a very good goalkeeper and will be a step up on david de gea if Arsenal bring in Ray, you've got a chance to make a step up on ramsdale but chelsea again question marks over their recruitment strategy good to see Alfie by the way in the chat yeah. box i just noticed how uh-huh. are you doing fella hope you're doing yeah. good and well hope you're Alfie. yeah
0: indeed um yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. I think Chelsea in this transfer market, um, they are signing players. They're signing um, up-and-coming talents in and around Europe. But it seems like they're just buying players for the sake of it. I I look Mm. at it and the squad at this moment in time is bloated, very bloated. I know there's still the outgoings in terms of that. But no, I think David Raya is a good opportunity for Arsenal. Um, So let's see what comes out of that. But Mm. did you read the Ramsdale's interview? Yesterday. I did
1: yes uh, I wrote a piece in response to it as well um, that went out yesterday it was a very powerful and enlightening kind of piece with the Players' Tribune and if you haven't read it anyone I'd recommend going and reading it because it is yeah it's very very good and well written by him I think you know it could be putting some of us journalists out of a job soon if he's going to you know switch <laughs> switch vibes into writing but uh, it was really honest and grounding and, and you know everything that you'd expect from a, a player that has been open and honest about so much of his time at Arsenal from the move and the abuse that he got to kind of uh, the thing that the opposite the thing that happened with the, the Spurs fan and the assault uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last season, and of course, you know he's he's opened up about some really personal things as well with his family, and I think that I'm hoping anyway that what is yet another call for kind of action regarding online abuse and things like that to change that that maybe this is one of those things that will change some people. It's not going to solve the problem. You know, It's, I don't, I'm not sure it's ever even possible to solve the problem completely mm-hmm. of online abuse and stuff like that, sadly. But what it will do is I think hopefully if it can change a few people, if it, people can read that and be enlightened and made them realize that the things they say or would have said, had they not have read the article and change those points of view and those perspectives, you know, it's, it's been a success. So, Yeah, I put a piece out yesterday kind of responding to the article and talking about my own experiences with Aaron Ramsdale in the mix zone at London Colney and kind of talking about how some of the the links. We're gone again. There we go. Uh, And uh, talking specifically kind of about how there's links like that hit hard on my side of things as well. So, yeah, it was a really good read and I'm hoping that people learn from it. Yeah, definitely. I think if you haven't read it, it is
0: a must-read. Another interview which has taken place early this morning is from the boss, the gaffer, Mm. Miklatera. Looking good. He was looking good in those pictures. Yeah, I'm very jealous. Very jealous indeed. (laughs) Um, He spoke about Arsenal's aura. He spoke about the fact that um, when Arsenal did decide to contact him for the job in 2019, he had a conversation, Mm. a frank conversation, with his good friend Pep Guardiola, and I can't say on air what Pep Guardiola told him, but it was quite frank. You've got to take this job, else I'll kick you on the butt.
1: Uh, he never <laughs> said
0: butt, but you but can understand what he said in terms of that. He spoke about the fact that um, last season's uh, title race took a lot out of him; it hurt him. The fact that Arsenal didn't didn't seal uh, the trophy, um, but again, they asked him. Do you think Arsenal can win the Premier League title this season? And his response was, "I wouldn't be sat here if I didn't believe so." So, another great interview from the boss, and and it shows what what a great manager mm. we have, doesn't it, TC?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think Arteta, what he's always done is is maintained kind of this consistent aura uh about him you know he's he's not to be trifled with he's not to be messed with he's you know a perfect kind of character to be a manager and i think arsenal have benefited from that massively um and he's a frustratingly very good-looking man that uh you know yes. if there's ever going to be an interview if you was if i was to peddle kind of any um, magazine that was going to do an interview of him GQ probably would have been up there <laughs> with one of <laughs> the selections so uh, yeah no it's, it's it's a good read if people haven't uh, given it a chance yet but uh, I, I love one of the I tweeted out um, this, oh, this is getting annoying <laughs> I don't know if just stay on um, but uh, I tweeted out this morning um, one of the quotes from the article it starts off by saying Arteta is wearing the full Arsenal training tracksuit complete with socks that look either ironed or previously unworn and has the tight jaw and robust hairline of a disney prince um which i think you know me and umar can certainly relate to so yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> 100%. but again another interview
0: if you haven't uh, read it is a must read um great great piece of um bits from there from Mikel Arteta. Uh, um looking ahead to this weekend um tc first first things first is it a glorified friendly
1: or is it a chance to win a trophy <laughs> it depends if we win, mate. Just... <laughs> um if we win on Sunday, it's a trophy. If we don't, there it doesn't matter. You know, pre preseason game, isn't it? And that's just the irony of that of that, you know, that cup. If it, we were talking about kind of Spain or, you know, places like that that have like these super cups, they yeah. take them really seriously. Whereas we don't have that same vibe about this trophy in England, which I think is in some sense is a bit of a shame because you know, as I say, the Spanish clubs really put a lot of emphasis on the Spanish Super Cup as, as something, as a real uh, opportunity to, to pick up a piece of silverware. And we don't in this country. I'm not particularly sure as to why, because, you know, you're the winner of of the Premier League going up against either the second place team in the league or, of course, the the winner of the FA Cup is is something which I think is a good spectacle to start the season so I'll certainly be looking at it as a time for Arsenal and Arteta to use his best team and to kind of use the team that he would if we were going up against Man City in the league from the available players who would you pick and I would pick that team that I'd be going up against just to give it a bit of a trial run so you know I'd want to see Partey and I'd want to see Declan Rice I'd want to see um you know those players uh in the team and I want to see Arsenal being very serious about trying to win this game but uh the expectation to try and win this, this this game against a side like Man City is always going to be on the back foot. What I would say is it's, it's interesting to see that Man City kind of haven't done yeah. masses in the market. I know that they're on the verge of signing Joska um, but Kovacic coming in they've lost a massive player in Gundogan. Mara is leaving as well. As well. Yeah. It's not yeah. many people
0: speak about Mahrez but he comes up with vital goals to go back to that game against Tottenham mm. I think it was at Etihad when Tottenham were 2-0 up In that game. And the only difference in that game, the reason why Manchester City came from behind was due to Riyad Mahrez. And he's done it often, time and time again. So, yeah, I agree. Not, It's interesting times ahead. It's
1: it's something we've not really talked about that much. But, like, I am surprised at the volume of players that have moved to Saudi this summer. And, like, I I knew... I think it is different to, like, China, China and yeah. um, Russia as well prior to that with, like, Angie that were buying up players like Samuel Eto'o, etc. Um, I know Zenit have always kind of bought players as well, but I think it is it is interesting how many players are going and how much has been spent this window. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was talking about the, uh, the Mbappe deal and, like, mm-hmm. the feel around the Mbappe deal was that they didn't have to actually bid that €1 billion total package to get him. And there was a feeling that they did it because they wanted to be the first nation to spend a €1 on one player. Like, they didn't even have to do that. And that kind of shows you the level of finances we're talking about that are accessible to this nation because it's not just like individual clubs. It's an entire nation that's backing a select group of clubs in that league to try and boost the league overall, make it more competitive and make it more watchable. Um, But it's interesting that we've not had... Mm. Any other than Partey's links, which obviously have, have now disappeared because he's staying. Did you I'm intrigued them? that <laughs> did you see that video? Uh, yeah. you, saw, you know what, what about? There's a video of
0: a Saudi Arabian, I think owner, and someone asked him. Yeah. Someone asked him what one player would you like to sign? And guess who he said? He said Thomas Partey. Saka.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you can do one. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're not taking him. But uh, it'll be interesting if Arsenal kind of used the Saudi market at all in the future to, to get money. But we just don't really have like the surplus at yeah. the club that would be attractive like Chelsea had Mendy and Koulibaly and you know players like this and you know Mahrez at Manchester City that was able to move out there you know other clubs have had other players uh Italian clubs like Inter Milan losing yeah. Brozovic etc but yeah. from the Premier League side it's always been kind of expendable players it's not players that you'd be like surprised about like there's a lot of Serie A clubs like I say Brozovic Milinkovic-Savic for instance as well. Did Ruben, Ruben never Neves I suppose yeah. yeah Ruben yeah. Neves a little bit but it seemed like no one was coming in for him at the price tag that Wolves mm-hmm. would have taken. And so as soon as a Saudi club came in, it was a case of, well, no one else is going to buy him at that figure. So mm-hmm. Sam Maximan, you know, as well, no, no one's yeah. going to buy San Maximan for 30 million pounds. And there's obviously apparent, reportedly been like um, kind of requests for mm-hmm. something like to be made about that deal um, because it's obviously their Saudi-owned Newcastle. So mm-hmm. is that an inflated price tag allegedly? Like it's difficult to know. But yeah, are you surprised that... We've not seen more Arsenal-related stuff to do with Saudi. Um, yeah, it's a good point. It is a good point that you make
0: because when you think about it, now I'm thinking of players in the Premier League that have gone to Saudi Saudi, and it's not really surprising. Like Riyad is not really a surprise. Ruben Neves, mm. not necessarily a surprise. Saint-Maximin, again, not a surprise. A surprise for me would be like if a club from that league came in for someone like martinelli came in for a player like yeah. marcus rashford like before obviously marcus rashford had that contract issue like imagine the saudi club just dropped so much amount of money on rashford and manchester united I said look we want this player then i'd be like mm. okay they're, they're doing some big things but even even then like kareem benzema a good but not really a surprise for me okay
1: exactly where else is he going to go and where yeah. else is Kante going to go you know so they're going to take these big paychecks at the end of their career now similar to players that have gone to the MLS similar players that have gone to China before mm-hmm. uh and Russia as well so and India I think as well they had the Indian Super League for a while um Qatar is, is also trying to you know raise the profile of its league I think Ibrahim Abamba, you know Italian yeah, guns that was linked yeah. to us he moved to Qatar so um very intriguing to see like obviously how it changes and I think obviously there'll be a big tv deal for to promote the league around the world and to try and get yeah. more interest in it and obviously I think FIFA are, are very happy it's going on because they want to liven up the club world cup uh mm-hmm. in the next few years as well and so if they've got a really powerful nation outside of Europe you know like uh the Saudi Arabian League then that's going to only help you know that what, what what I think clubs in Europe have got to be conscious of is that The Club World Cup suddenly takes on more importance, I think, because you can't be, if suddenly a Saudi side wins the Club World Cup, you know, that it'll be interesting to see if that changes the talking points around that um, tournament. Um, So, yeah, let's let's wait. Because remember when Saudi beat Argentina in the uh, in the World Cup it was a massive, massive story. So and that kind of kicked off, if you like, this big interest. So let's see what happens. Yeah, now let's
0: see, indeed. Uh, tell me in the comments, GC says we need to win for psychological effect on Manchester City. We haven't beaten them across all competitions in seven games. I agree with this. I think mm. it's an opportunity for Arsenal, like you just touched on, for Arteta to play his best 11 on paper to go toe-to-toe with Manchester City. And yeah, some people can say it's just a community shield, but if we can beat Manchester City, it will show mm. these Arsenal players, look, they're not, un- they're not unbeatable. We can do a job on them, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that's it's a really good point because if Arsenal lose this game um, or yeah. are badly beaten, yeah. I don't think necessarily lose is the worst thing in the world, but badly if they're badly game, beaten, it? yeah. it's not the best way to start a Premier League season. And so psychologically, if you can get a good result even if you get a draw and you lose on penalties or something like that it's going to give you more of a confidence going into the new season um you know we've already won this competition under Arteta as well in in what was it 2020 2020 it was when we obviously beat liverpool uh, bam uh, Bammyang scoring and then we won on penalties didn't we so yeah i think i think it is has importance to it way more than any other game we've played in the in pre-season for obvious reasons but psychologically it's a good point yeah What's what's your obviously the season, like there's one week to go,
0: and we'll we'll do a season review, uh preview, mm. sorry, uh, before the season kicks off. But where do you stand right now? Um, with one week to go, like in terms of your objectives, and I know you've spoken about it in the past, like when Manchester City are are your competitors, it's difficult to go into a season mm. and say we have to win the Premier League title, we have to get fine the Champions League because they're the obstacle. Did the trouble winners? Yeah, but sitting here right now, what would be a successful season for you?
1: Um, I, as I say, I've always said progress. So if we get closer to Man City. Um, if we go further than we did last season, then we're still progressing. The aim has got to be to try and win a trophy. You know, if Arsenal come away from this season with a trophy, you know, I'd be delighted. But at the same time, if that's FA Cup and fifth place, then I'm not saying that's a success. So it's not just silverware, you know. um, It's like last season, I, people were talking about the fact we didn't win a trophy, so it wasn't a success. Well, if I'd have offered you fifth place and, a, and the FA Cup as opposed to last season, I wouldn't have traded it. Like I wouldn't have traded last season for fifth, and an FA Cup because I know the importance of what last season was, but it's only important if we use last season going into this season to build on it. If we go backwards, then it, it, what was the point of, of all everything that we tried to do last season and, and kind of the journey that we've been on from last season. So mm. I want to see progression, I want to see us go far in the Champions League. I want to see us push Man City as far as we feasibly can and try and pick up some silverware. And I think that at the end of the season, we can kind of look back. It's always so difficult to say what is a success now because you've got a whole season to play and you don't know what's going to happen. You could have a horrific injury season. You could have um, teams coming out of nowhere that you didn't expect to be as good as they were. Um, You know, we had a whole pandemic hit us one season as well. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. So... Let's see come the end of the season and we'll assess whether or not it's been a success or not. This, this summer's flown by, so I'm assuming that the season's going to fly by as well.
0: Yeah, Pini winning the comment makes an interesting point. Uh, pre-season hasn't been as full throttle as last year, so we'll see because we are in a transition period in midfield. But he says that, and I know a lot of mm. criticism is labelled towards Arsenal for, for the not as successful pre-season as last season yet. Yeah? But Liverpool mm. haven't had a good pre-season. The amount of goals they're shipping in. Manchester United, yeah. since that win against Arsenal, what, they've lost three on the bounce? Chelsea, a couple of draws against Newcastle, against, um, against um, Dortmund the other day. Mm. I think City lost conceded. to Atleti. City lost to Atletico Madrid. So mm. all the big teams, they've not really had a successful preseason this summer either, has it?
1: Yeah, I mean, City's pre-season friendlies were, um, they lost, as I say, most recently to Atletico Madrid 2-1, they just beat Bayern 2-1, who beat Liverpool as well, Bayern, Um, and yeah, I think they played a side in Asia as well, where they went 2-0 down and came back and won um, (laughs) 5-3 as well, so uh, yeah, I mean... It, it's not preseason is always going to be about trying things, and for us, I don't. The reason why I don't think you've seen it as successful this summer as what it was last summer is because we basically used the same team in most of the games last preseason because we had like a set lineup with the players that he trusted. Swapped a couple out here and there, but this summer we've got a squad rather than a team, and so he has to give as many minutes as possible. and He has to change things up drastically. You're not going to see that many changes. From game to game to game in the Premier League, maybe more so in the Cups and maybe to a lesser extent the group stage of the Champions League. But in the Premier League, the lineup's going to remain, I think, relatively the same. Maybe one or two changes per game. But other than that, that consistency will, you know, we'll, that will come back. We know what we're capable of, we know what this team can do. Um, so let's see it being more consistent in the weeks to come.
0: Last point before we wrap
1: up, uh, Tom,
0: did you see Zinchenko's interview? I keep speaking about interviews today.
1: Which one was it? The one with Rio Ferdinand? Ferdinand, yeah. I saw a clip of it, the one where he talks about kind of the positioning at left back, um, yeah. and drawing in the wing. Very educational, you know. The guy's basically like having a coach on the pitch at the moment, isn't he? He's, he's kind of that in tune. It was also confirmed he's got a non playing role now in the uh, um, game uh, for Ukraine, yeah, which um, yeah, I, his, um, I, I, thought I thought think is five probably five more minutes. so to do with injury, injury than, yeah. um, uh, than it is to do with like you know, any. Um, decision-making around whether he should or shouldn't have played. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was a really good interview of Rio, the clip that I saw. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm honest. Like, if I'm honest, like, for me, Zinchenko is vital to the way Arsenal play. But mm. in the past few games that I've seen, Yuri and Timba mm. that in that left-back position, I'd be worried if I was Alexander Zinchenko. Like, I'd be worried. I'd be worried in terms of my place in the team. And I think he spoke about it. He was quizzed on Uri Timba. And he basically said he's probably a better defender than me. Mm. He's a good player, etc. And the fact that Mikel Arteta is occupying Timba in that, in that position instead of right back. I know he's got that versatility to his game. But the, the key thing for me is reliability and players that can play week in, week out. And I think Mikel Arteta will sense that as well. And if Zinchenko keeps picking up these knocks, Mikel Arteta will have a decision on his hands. And Timba, he's an adequate replacement, isn't he?
1: Mm, yeah, I think that it's so important that we got the player that can do that job as well, because Zinchenko is so incredibly key, as you say, to the style of the team. But also, obviously, his mentality is really, really strong, his leadership ability. You see him constantly talking um, to the team before the game, Um You you constantly see him getting involved with team kind of discussions and and, and speeches before games. He's key in the dressing room. Um, He's been around the squad the whole way despite having his injury issues. So Zinchenko being out is obviously a big loss and it was a huge loss when he wasn't there last season but now this season we have a player that can be that inverted player for us and so things shouldn't dip so, too much without him in the team from a football point of view but until Timber kind of establishes himself who is by the way you know he was captain uh, for a number of times at, at Ajax so yeah. I think that we've still got the potential to see uh, Timber succeed uh, from a leadership point of view as well. Predictions for this weekend? Uh t- one nil Arsenal. Ben White screamer. Really? <laughs> yeah. <otherwise>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what? If you're right, bloody
0: uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Arsenal to win on penalties. Yeah, I'll go Arsenal to win on penalties. Yeah, I think fair enough. Yeah, I think it'll fair be enough. one draw. So, uh, fingers crossed in that. But yeah, TC, thanks for jumping on. This, today mate sorry sorry about the lighting it's been ridiculous no, it's all good bro it's all good uh we'll let it's you off good, for today mate. um but yeah if you have enjoyed the show uh folks uh, make sure to drop a like let us know in the comments how you think arsenal will fare in the community shield final against manchester city on sunday let us know your score predictions um and let us know how you feel ahead of the season and ahead of the kickoff against nottingham forest but yeah if you have enjoyed the show Make sure to drop a like, comment, subscribe and keep following us down the Arsenal way.